to the Breakdown Podcast. I think we're back to the start. We're back to Mills Muliaina. He's been in hiding for a couple of months, and I've decided, I reckon, that I can do a podcast on the back of one comment that Mills has made today on a WhatsApp group that the Breakdown includes a lot of people, but it's in reaction to Amos McLennan. Remember, he's the chairman of Australian Rugby. Clayton McMillan talking about what he might like with Super Rugby. We've heard from Andrew Hall, the CEO of the Blues Mills. And so there's a few ideas floating around about the future of Super Rugby, what might be good. And the big thing that's been a lot of people's minds probably for the last year is the the idea of a draft. So John Kerwin's hot on this, of course. He wants a Heineken Cup. He wants this. He wants that, Mills. But your reaction to the fact that there's some ideas floating around that we need a, a the scope to move and share talent around Super Rugby, to even out the competition. There are a lot of pros and cons in this, but what were your initial thoughts and what have been your thoughts for a while around how we maybe reshape Super Rugby? Well, first of all, when I put that comment on our WhatsApp group, I, I thought it was, you know, obviously anonymous, only to within the group itself. But now that I know it's not, there won't be any more comments going on there again. Goldie, thanks to you, bro. Would you not believe it? Come on, you can't just throw it. You can't just throw it out there. You either believe it or you don't. Well, well what I did say is I, I threw it out there, and I thought I actually quite like the idea. I, yep. I like the idea that Hamish Kennan is, is throwing out there. Yes, don't get me wrong. I can see where uh, Taylor McMillan's coming from, and we've always been protective of sort of our IP and where we are and producing our talent. You know, coming through. Um, I get where they've come from too in terms of how where they're at now compared to where they were a couple of years ago, you know, when they were struggling and now that, that core group's coming through. In terms of where the competition's at, Goldie, mate, this needs a revamp, you know. Since 1995 or whenever it sort of started, it was hot. There was crowds, you know, in our days as well. You look back even sort of round robin stuff. There was a real enthusiasm around, you know, what we, what we sort of were seeing. Yeah, last week we got that in terms of FMG Stadium, but why? Two very big hitters, a Chiefs team that's going well, and of course, you know, to bums on seats. Have we been able to sustain that over this last couple of years? I don't think so. Um, and, and I think we've got to get to a point now where we're saying, hey, our competition, in terms of the skill set, in terms of um, how flamboyant it is and the wow factor, I'm not talking just New Zealand, I'm talking Australia. We've got to get to a point now where surely together that we come together and we say, man, this model that we've got isn't quite working in terms of getting people buns on seats. Why don't we branch out and have that? Okay, essentially, you know, do we have private owners? You know, do we then move to saying, here's a salary cap. Andrew Hall has mentioned it. Let's have a group where there's a CEO and just super rugby itself. Oh, I think I'm open to that idea where you're running this competition purely for Super Rugby. Is there a salary cap? Absolutely, there's a salary cap. But then it's up to the players to decide, well, actually, I want to I stay here. And the administration, they go, well, here's our salary cap. Who do we want to keep? Do you guys want to stay for less money? We've, we've seen that with the Crusaders over the years. You know, a number of All Blacks that aren't really paid, you know, the maximum in terms of um, the Super Rugby, they're prepared to stay. I mean, put it back to the guys. And, but what, what that does create is a more even competition and we've always talked about how Australia's got one you know um, a team that's sort of always sort of struggling a bit this is a really good chance for to be able to sort of 
you know, pump the competition up and have those sort of close games, not just have them every four weeks like we're seeing at the moment. Um, we want it week in, week out, don't we not? The question I have, though, is how much control will the players have over where they end up? Because it, it's actually, it becomes very complicated. And, and the one thing that would have to happen if this is going to be the case is that the All Blacks would then have to be selected across the whole competition. Because if the Melbourne Rebels go out and recruit Geordie Barrett to go and play for them, who's one of our automatic starters for the All Blacks, you then have to have an All Black in New Zealand environment saying, well, no, we're, we're happy that he is playing out, uh, technically overseas, but he's in our boundaries. Now, Scott Robertson's already said that these are all things that he may consider, you know, or he would he would like to put on the table. Is there an issue, though, what we've got right now is that it would be a one-way traffic, where the traffic is going to the other side of the Tasman. You know, and cl clearly this would benefit the Australian sides more that would benefit us. Look, we've got two guys playing in the midfield for the Chiefs, Daniel Rona and um, Rameka Poihipi, right, who normally wouldn't even start if Quinn Tapia was fit, if Anton Leonard-Brown was fit. They wouldn't start for the Chiefs. And then that layer, that tier, wouldn't be in New Zealand because they would most likely be drafted in Australia. Now, here's my issue I have with Hamish McLean saying this. He's going, he wants to bolster his sides. I honestly believe that. But the reason they kept five teams is they wanted depth. So you mm -hmm. want depth, and you sit there and go, where are these players going to come from? Now, they've become out, and they've, they've announced a profit, which is remarkable, really. You see, mind you, interesting enough, their CEO's now resigned after a remarkable turnaround. So clearly there was some friction between the leadership there. But is, is that not the consider, consideration straight away? Or are we that desperate that we essentially need their market. Is this about the market in terms of the financial, I suppose, capabilities that Australia, just the country itself, we've got 5 million people, there's a ceiling on our earnings potential, there's a ceiling on what we can generate, even finding ownership, um, major ownership in a sports team, and there has to be, whether it's a return or a significant investment um, into the game at, the, at that level, Oh, is there a danger, though? On the surface, you're going, you know, the top 10 draft picks. So, for example, the first 10 would be New Zealand teams or New Zealand players heading elsewhere. Because if you went by where the teams finished, say, in this year's Super Rugby competition, it's more than likely the first pick is, well, it could be the Highlanders, the way we go. But it's probably Moana Pacifica. But then you've got all of these rules around what the purpose of the Moana Pacifica team was put together for, Mill. So... This is this is a big body of work we're talking about here. I mean, this would you talk about reshaping the game. This is this is essentially blowing up the, the Super Rugby and going. You know what? There's a whole new set of rules. Hundred percent, there is, um, and it's not something that is considered lightly. And, that, and this is why it's a really good discussion. What are the goals here? You know, you talk about. You talk about that from a financial point of view. Do we keep tracking OER? The Super Rugby franchises are screaming at how much revenue they're losing, how much they're actually yeah. running at a loss year in, year out. If we continue to run like this, we might not have any franchises. So that's the sort of things they've got to, got to also consider. We're traditionalists here in New Zealand. We've always been that. Our, our core difference between the rest of the world is the black jersey. So, of course, it's going to take 
you know, that's obviously going to be effective because, you know, you, you've got to open that up to guys. And the IP that they take overseas or over to Super Rugby competition, this isn't just overseas. This is still within our competition. The, the IP that they take will only enhance Australian the Australian sides of it. But if you look at it from a, a competition in itself, how how invigorating would that be to have a competition where you're not sitting there going, every year the New Zealand teams are going to be top five in the eights easily. You know, what's the use of even starting, albeit the Highlanders were one team? You know, do we really want that? Do we really want to be able to, you know, to see people go, oh, okay, it's just, let's just focus on the Crusaders and perhaps the Blues and the Chiefs are going to have a, a, a year that, um, you know, they'll sort of come through. I think we've got to be, you know, really careful. Yeah, there's a lot at stake. Don't get me wrong, you know, in, in terms of our own backyard. But isn't this isn't this time now, considering where the competition is going or heading, and it's not going that way. Don't get me wrong, you know, from a, um, you know, I suppose, you know, the, the spectacle and, and, and also the money that's involved too. Isn't it time now to start looking at some options? And this might possibly be the answer to actually, you know, make it, get it back to its sort of glory days because it's certainly going the other way. And that's what I just wanted to remind people of. Initially, that's what Super Rugby did. There was a draft situation. You talked about when it started. I was there when it started, Mills. It was 1996. It was a long time ago. But players ended up in your environment coming and having to move and shift. They got selected into teams and it wasn't within their region. Now, you had the opportunity, and in the early days, it was a bizarre, bizarre um, situation. Well, whether it was bizarre or just the way they worked it out, the idea was to get the top 75 players playing. So the best person, uh, one through five, in all five franchises, right? So that was the – well, they weren't franchises. They were just teams back then. and yeah. They were regions. They were franchises. They were regions. You know, they were groups. And so you, what used to happen was you'd show up to Wellington with a team sheet, a 1-15, to 15, and you had to protect players in your region from the, the provinces, provinces in your region, right? So clearly the Blues at that time were remarkably strong. Yeah. So they were leaving guys out there that, that other teams could pick up. Yeah. The Highlanders used to show up. We had about five names written down. And, and, and as a bit of a – yeah, they would put everyone under a bit of a joke. Tony Gilbert and that knew sort of the guys they did want, but they were going, you know what? They're not, no, teams don't want our players because they're already full. Yeah. And it was remarkable. You know, we had guys coming down from Auckland and, and Waikato and wherever you want, and they were filling in spots. And so it certainly, for the teams that weren't as strong, and we were one of those, it certainly opened up an opportunity for, for the Highlanders to get better and stronger. And what it did then do is it freed up guys like um, you start targeting your Case Muse, Carl Hoff, younger guys, you know, who weren't going to be protected, who couldn't be protected, and they ended up being part of a significant sort of um, a Highlanders era, you know, in the late 90s. And that happened over two or three years. So that's the, that's the choice you have to have here is the fact that if you're going to open it up, you know, in some ways you should, should still be able to protect some guys. Yeah. Um, and it's not a free-for-all. But my question is, is the, you know... How do you identify? I mean, are we talking about declaring young players going, you know what, I'm now available at the age of 19 to be a fully contracted Super Rugby player? And I am born and bred in, in Invercargill and played for Southland as a teenager or as an 18-year-old. 
and there's someone in Sydney says, I need a loose head prop. Yeah. Are we are we saying, you know what? Um, is this is this Ethan De Groot? You know, as he's coming through and you're going, you know what? Are, are, are we is that what we're talking about here? I don't think so. Yes, you're open you're opening yourself up to that because New Zealand rugby have a rule around the age and the eligibility around that age. I'll go back to your point though, in terms of Case Muse and Carl Hoff. So Case Muse obviously from Auckland, Carl Hoff from the King Country region. Yeah. But you'd never think they're from they're from no. those areas where they're Highlanders through and through. Okay, so the issue that we're going to have now is probably lower than Super Rugby. Is your provincial teams are now going to go well? Why aren't we investing all this here when and also your club and everything else, NPC, when effectively, you know, they're from Auckland or you know the Chiefs region, but they're going to go down to the South Island. But what did that create? It created a better competition. It created youngsters that are coming through. And we're now all blacks. We're actually overtaking that the Craig Dowds and the Olo Browns of the world when they sort of came through. So, okay, what's the goal? What would have been the goal there? Great competition, right? Excellent competition. Yes, I think what we've got to do is strip back what the priorities are right now in terms of this competition. There's no revenue being made for the franchises, okay? And then the buy-in's going to be the hardest because you're always going to get things, you know, the provincial unions not being you know, on side with that guys going overseas. But, and I get that. I understand that, that, that that's what it will be. In terms of your other point, uh, a 19-year-old ready to play Super Rugby, I still think if you have a governing body, that they they are the ones that are in charge of, bring, uh, of having those those set rules. But we've already sort of got that. There's a, there's a couple of guys now. You think of Taha, um, he's down at the, the Crusaders, a 10, it's, you know, it's first year out of school last year, he's picked up in, in that yep. sort of, so it's already kind of happening. Yeah, specific to, to your positions, but I think you've got to get the better players playing in a better competition and it's going to be more evenly spread. I mean, that, protecting your players and then it becomes interesting with that draft, how that draft happens and who do you actually protect? Because we've seen All Blacks when they've, guys that have never been All Blacks, there's been all blacks have been protected and guys move away and what happens they become all blacks and the guys that were protected so that in itself has becomes intriguing in terms of how it sort of works when it comes back to and a lot of it will be said oh you know um your heart and soul should be in this region well look at the case of case muse and car off like we just used the you go down to Dunedin and our highlanders through and through right even though they're not even from there they would have been wanting to play for the blues um or the chiefs um, you know, back when I was sort of growing up, it's, we just, what worries me is that in five, 10 years time, where this competition is going from an incitement point of view, but also affordability, you know, we, you know, we're constantly talking about the affordability of the game, um, especially here. We've got the best product. I, I've got no doubts whatsoever in terms of the rest of the world. It's how do we enhance that now to keep it within this Super 8B and also Grow it to Asia. Grow it to, you know, the Pacific Islands. You imagine a team that's missed out, you know, within the five franchises, or even you know, over in over in Aussie, and being in Wana Pacifica or or a, a draw. It makes a massive difference in terms of they, uh, the way that they can play. Does it make the, the competition more exciting? Look what the draw has done already. Absolutely, it does. If they're beating teams that are in the top four on a regular basis, and they're getting themselves not just in the eight. We're, we're excited about them being in the eight. Imagine if they yeah. get into the four and yeah. then in a final. 
isn't that what we want? Isn't that the growth of the competition that we want? Yes, there's so many parts that you've got to tick off and there's so many people you've got to get happy. But I think at some stage, we've got to start those conversations. We've got to start it now because the competition um, is is actually declining in terms of you know the revenue and, um, and waiting. You've been waiting around for a massive game to happen. And that's where... You're right. I mean, you, and one of the points I like there is that you're talking about where it's going to be in five to 10 years. And the only thing that's significantly going to change that is the marketplace. And the marketplace is how much you can gen generate revenue out of it. At the moment, it's at a ceiling because New Zealand rugby and Australian rugby, um, uh, I'm assuming there's, there's support in Fiji um, uh, for the Fiji and Drua. Um, you know, they've, they've got their own little market that they're operating with, but that's mm. small. Um, to be fair, though, I've heard from them, and every business on Fiji is happy to be working with the Fijian Drua because that's their one one side, right? And so you'd like to think it's it's similar with, and it hasn't probably come to fruition with the Moana Pacifica side just yet. There's some some things you need to work out with that, but I look at what they've created in Japan with the fact that they've worked for a long time as a professional competition in and around a, a company ideals, yeah. right? With the fact that this has been paid for by the companies and the budgets are significantly higher and yeah. these are owned by major companies. But in terms of them trying to balance their um, overseas influence, how many players they have in their squads, how they can develop their local talent, they've managed to, in terms of that side of things, still get things right because mm -hmm. the international side has been on a, on a um, improve constantly when they get to major tournaments, are winning bigger games more often, sort of have become that standard in the Pacific, if you think of the fact that if, if they were going through and, and um, playing Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, they would win consistently America. So they seem to have got that balance right. How much of this is about us having the trust that when we let our players go offshore, when we come bring them back into the all-black environment and we trust that they're one playing this type of rugby or two, we're getting the best out of them where they go, because I think that's important about the marketplace for me, because the only way we'll have that level of trust. If I'm a person in New Zealand, who's a fan of New Zealand, that I know that whoever that player is going to in Australia, he's playing for a good coach. He's playing for a good organization. And we're going to see the best of him as a player, because that's a challenge. I look at it, you know, and I suppose if we look at, Real professional competitions. You don't know that with players, though, do you? I mean, the NBA, they get drafted, and they get drafted to the worst team, which could have an average coach. That's out of their control. And so that's – I think that's where the nervousness comes from us, right, is that we're going – we've got this wonderful system that's worked for most of the 25 years where we know what we've got and we've kept tabs on them. Is that is that probably the biggest hurdle you're talking about is – the first and foremost is getting over and letting that control go of the development of an individual player. Mate, hundred percent. It's not. It's not the. It is a development. It has got a stage of the development. What does it come down to? The success of the All Blacks. That's a hundred percent what it's been, and we've always been driven. That's been our secret weapon. The fact that we produce players that are now going to bump up our national team and globally, you know, they're, they're attractable because the success rate has been awesome. It's been massive. 
that there is really where you know that you, know, you sort of get a little bit anxious about because effectively you're you're now bumping up a, a system or a competition that all blacks will go over or that next group of guys are not quite all blacks are going to now take that ip over that's and that, and that's that's probably where you know the anxiety comes in because you are it's our biggest driver that's our biggest market isn't it you know the all black brand is huge super rugby isn't the all black brand is massive and so you're now sending guys over that effectively are going to take that ip with them this is different to the nba you can draft everywhere everywhere else because what's the what's the national body the usa well, team is always going to be you know awesome or the nfl we can, we I can i ask you this question though when you talk about that what the all blacks is though they only play 13 or 14 games a year so they're actually they're valuable they're massively valuable but content's king right content's king so those stories are only there's 52 weeks in a year like I think understanding that whole landscape of yes, they might generate eighty percent of your revenue, but if you don't have a supporting competition which provides you six or seven quality games of rugby every weekend for people to watch for the other six months of the year, Where's then the you, don't, you don't you don't you don't you don't get the money. You, you don't, don't get the broadcasting revenue. So and and the the attention and the sponsorship and you know and because that's. The teams that work, the sports that work right, are the ones that engage you for 12 months. They essentially yeah. do. You know, they don't just give you a snapshot and then they try and bring you in again. And there's this whole storyline which continues through the course of the year. And, you know, that's why we talk about the NBA. And, I, you know, clearly I'm, I, I, I love it. But there's mid-season dates where there's draft dates and there's yeah. contracting models and the drafts then coming up. And, you know, there's lottery picks and all those sorts of things. And the conversation's an ongoing one. But if I, if I came back to this and said to you, is this version of Super Rugby delivering international quality All Blacks? Gee, that's a that's a that's a good question, Goldie. Um, has it done that in the past? Absolutely, it has. Why has it done that? Because we've kept it within our franchise. Will it continue? Who knows? I, I think it's got the leagues to continue and actually better. The fear that we've got is that another national team will get better and be competitive. But aren't we in there at the moment? Are we not in there? Are we not? Isn't it exciting? We sit there and you know, we went to a World Cup year and the Irish number one, the French are number one. Are we not excited now that we can go into this World Cup and go, whoa, man, we, we don't actually know. We're not favourites, but what's actually going to happen? Look at the rugby in France are playing. Look at, isn't that what you want in a competition that starts in February and finishes in June? or July or whatever, and before you start the, you know, the, the, the international stuff and then have that feeling again of, oh, man, are we going to win this? You know, I mean, we, we're so sick of saying this all the time. Oh, we're going to win this again. Oh, it's not worth watching. But we're not prepared to sort of, you know, branch down that track and go, oh, actually, let's, let's see how it sort of goes if we go to this new model. So the excitement factor is definitely, like, again, I brought up my point about any foul in that there's no fear in, guy, in, a, in a national team getting better when you have a competition that's your own. The difference they've got is bigger market. We haven't got that. We haven't got that luxury. There is a team that's done it. It's Argentina. Yeah. They were the team, we, and, and that's the fear. I reckon there's the fear right there. There's the fear because we brought in the Jaguares. They pulled their talent, brought it into one provincial side. You couldn't play for Argentina unless you were playing in Argentina for Jaguares. 
They went to, did they go to two finals? Yes, they went to bat in two finals against the Hurricanes and finals against the Crusaders. And then I think the following year, guess who they beat? The All Blacks. Yeah. And so there, I think, is the fear. Right there. If you're, you know, and I'm not afraid of it because it now means to me that the rugby championship is an improved competition. Absolutely. Because the first game this year, the All Blacks play two weeks after the final of Super Rugby will be in Argentina. I think Mendoza, I think, where it's being played. It will be in. So that now I know that we don't take that for granted. The fact that then, and then they came to New Zealand and they beat in Christchurch. They came. So, so this is the landscape. This is, and this is why I think it should be so attractive, right, for us to go to Japan and sell them on that dream of if you play in a competition with us, your rugby will improve. Don't give us a token Sun Wolves. Find a way. Find our season. Find your season. Whether you need two teams, four teams, whatever it might be, um, you know, it will be a, a big stretch to find four. But that's why, to me, what you're saying is really, really important. Because I think if they saw an open market, I think they'd be more likely to get involved. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, if they absolutely. saw an open marketplace where players move and shift and, you know, they go, you know what, that, that gives us a good opportunity for some Japanese players yeah. to play for a team in Australia or play for a team in New Zealand. And they've, they've already had growth from that as well. Yeah. The other side has done it. It strengthens the coaching depth because yeah. we know who's coaching in Japan. Pretty much everybody who's not coaching international rugby and is a world-class coach, they're all coaching there. Dave Rennie's getting there. Steve Hansen's there. Wayne Smith's there. They're all there, right? Yeah. So surely, surely, I mean, is that a, is that a fair point where you're sitting there and going, it's, it's, if we're going to find that marketplace, if it starts in Australia, surely it's then got to extend up to Japan. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It needs, it needs to sort of branch out to Japan. They've already got a, a similar model in terms of their professionalism, but it would become more attractable. But again, I've come back to my point about before. What is the fear? The fear is that everyone else will catch up. And of course you don't want that. You know, it's like it's like in the backyard and your big brother is always, you know, on, on top of you the whole time and he's like, you know, constantly winning. He's not going to want you to win. But we've got to get to a stage, surely, and we've got to start conversations around how we're going to get this competition better because even you talking about Japan being involved, Pacific Islanders, the investment that could possibly go in there in the private in the private space, you imagine how attractable you know that now becomes in terms of the competition in itself. I mean, it, it's exciting when you say when you say that when coaches are the coaches of those sort of calibers involved. Yeah, okay, you give a little bit or a little a little bit more, perhaps that that is the stuff that they're going to be thinking about. That the All Blacks might not be the most dominant team, but again, I'll go back to my point. Hasn't the last year or so sort of illustrated that that everyone's catching up? And, you know, are we sitting in a place now where we're sitting and thinking, well, are we going to get to that level? The World Cup is going to be huge, you know, in terms of competitiveness. I don't think this is probably going to be the most competitive rugby World Cup I've ever sort of known since I've been alive, you know. And so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But can we create a competition in New Zealand where we perhaps for one second think, man, I want to look forward to rugby, Super Rugby starting this year, not talk about us oh, too much rugby on. Why is it too much rugby? Because a lot of the rugby that you watch isn't competitive. You know, and, and that's part of the problem. We need to get a competitive competition that has a global reach, that's exciting. Again, the brand that we play uh, is the best. 
see, this is what I would say to you. Um, we've actually got the opportunity to create the first truly even competition for rugby. Because if you look around the globe, it's not really. Because if you go to all of the competitions, it's the same teams. Yeah. Like it's like that's the one thing you know. I think people. I think is a, is a misnomer in a lot of cases in a lot of sports where, yet yeah, we've created this environment. I mean, even the NBA, for example, as much as everyone says the draft works, the 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 Golden State Warriors, who are the current defending NBA champions, yes, they drafted I think four of their main guys, and they took time to get them, but now they're. $170 million in luxury tax is what they're prepared to pay. Yeah. Because they're winning, though, they're, they're keeping it, keeping it, yeah. keeping these players. And so there's a balance that has to be made. You know, they're, they're, their salary bills way bigger than some other markets and other teams, but they're in a bigger market and they're, they're living off success. So I'm just, I look at it and go, we could create this, but it would be the first, which would be, give the scope for significant movement. Now, the, the big thing we've got here is this thing's called player associations. <laughs> Right, yeah. and and they clearly want to protect their players, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about something that very rarely gets done. You're talking about multiple people up, uprooting families, moving them, you know, into uh, uh, other countries. You know, if you imagine if someone who's once again lived in Christchurch, or and then he's he's got to go and play in Japan, you know, but that's where the marketplace might determine that if you're getting paid what that value is, right? If you're one of the top draft picks, guess what? Your contract would reflect that and should reflect that. If you're moving, it reflected. You know, you're not getting on the, you're not coming in the league minimum, you know, which is not very much. You're coming, if you're one of those guys, all of a sudden, and that too is the other part of it is that if you've got breakout talent and you're having to, to, to strategically um, select these guys, you know, you're, you're, if you're having to spend too much on them, then you're not going to draft them as well. It's got to fit within that that salary, you know. So I think I think the scope is there. The the, the question I'd have with you though is: Is there any way or, or space to bring back in South Africa or Argentina, or is that is that flown? Is that gone? Are, are we now? Are we just thinking about the time zones that we're looking at? And is our would our attractiveness be? You know, instead of going to them, we try and bring some of them into our competition. That was a big factor, wasn't it? And when you talk about the uh, NZRPA or the Player Association, uh, player welfare was was a biggie. Uh, South Africa, I mean Argentina was at ten hours, so it's, it's similar to Japan, isn't it? One way flight, uh, one um, one flight, and you're you're away over there. But also the time zone, um, in terms of you know where they're going over there, has that flown? Oh, I think we're we're there at the accomplished South Africa. Um, that possibly has. Would I love to see them back in the competition? 100% I would. Because, you know, they bring a different kettle of fish in terms of the way they sort of play. But I guess, you know, where they've got to now, they're probably more comfortable in terms of the competition they play in, you know, over in over in Europe. And probably suits their style and what they're, what they're trying to generate in terms of everything else. What about, what about just being on the capacity to chase their players? Because their players go to Japan, right? I mean, so this is pie in the sky stuff. If you're talking the dream scenario, then all of a sudden you're talking about how do you create the sort of wealth that would get the best players in the world coming and playing in our competition? Is that possible? When you're talking, you know, is, is, is that is that genuinely possible that we could create something where, you know, you've got the, I don't know, the one point five to two million dollars that you need to bring 
um, Antoine Dupont to come down and play in our competition. You know, do do you think is that is that possible? If you had pie in the sky stuff, if you said you maximise this thing out, if you found a way to get Japan in here, you know, it is it possible? Do we have the market? Yes, we do. I mean, if Japan are doing it now and bringing those taking those guys over from them, yeah, you know, I don't know what the Rand's doing at the moment. I think there is. Not think, a lot. Yes, well, <laughs> it's never doing a lot. So it might not be a two point whatever. You know, yeah. they might be still in the budget to bring two over. But that that then becomes isn't that why it becomes so interesting? Because they've got to fit those players in there, you know, yeah, the the currency might work in their favours. But what does it create? Best players in the best competition. So absolutely it has scope to you know, we could be creating something that's man. Well, no one else has ever done, ever. And well, that's, we're the part, Goldie. that's the scary part. Well, that's actually, but that's also the exciting part. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you went down that path, you know, and I know there's talk of the, um, wasn't it, the, in the rugby championship slightly expanding as well. You know, I think would Super Rugby would need to be longer, though. I mean, it, it probably would need to extend out, which I think, and this is the sad thing, right? We we probably did actually get the right growth. We just went one step too far when we got to 18. Yeah. When we got to 18, it probably went one step too far. Where if we stopped at 16, that, that number there might have worked, you know, and you start going, because one full round would be 15 games, one yeah. full round, and then you would go into a playoff scenario. And to me, it, it, it and then people will go, oh, we're changing it again. You know, but I think if you if you then are looked at at a season where, you know, someone put a scenario to me the other day where you played the first eight rounds and then there was an international window break, mm-hmm. you know, so you know how Six Nations operates yeah. and does all that. You took yeah. an international gap and then you came back, or you maybe did 10 rounds and then you had a gap and then you came back and, and did go. another six yeah. plus the playoffs, right? And was split. Yeah. And then the length of it would be a little bit longer. There would be a rest period in between for some players as well. Not clearly not your internationals, but you'd manage your way through it. Um, but there would be enough games for, te- for for teams to have enough home games to generate income because that's significant as well. You know, I I think maybe we got there, and then circumstances, and you know, it, we maybe confused it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of travel, and clearly this is really costly. And that's the big thing for me is that you know you're talking about significant investment here, and then you have to change the whole contracting model. It would get complicated, but I think we all agree that clearly there's, other than Clayton McMillan, who's got the deepest squad in Super Rugby right now, and if I was in his shoes, I'd 100% totally with him. Totally with him. Just like I'd say three or four years ago, if we had the conversation with the Crusaders, they would have said exactly the same thing. Don't you take my debt. Don't you take my players. Don't you threaten my young guys. All these people I've developed and spent money on, blah, blah, blah. You know, they'd get into that. I can understand where Clayton's coming from because that would be undermining all the great work that they've, they've managed to do in the last couple of years. Mate, I got, I got, we chatted. All you said was, I tend to agree with McLennan. That's all you said. And that was 35 minutes of chat. Last thing we're going to chat about a couple of players this weekend are playing, but let's, it, it's what we see from here for them. Roger Tuovasashek yeah. is back out for the Blues. And I'm so excited to see it. Will Jordan yes. is named at fullback for the Crusaders against the force. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know quickly. It's a relief for me to see him back out there, first and foremost. Um, yeah. We've talked about him a lot, but clearly he's got himself. He's confident he can play again. 
And the other one's Roger Tuovasa-Shek. He can make one last push. Rico Ioane's not playing at centre, which is disappointing. Um, I would like to have seen him play with the guy that can help him get the best out of him. Harry Plummer's playing at 10. But for those two guys, firstly, RTS. Um, is this about him proving if there's something goes wrong, if there's an injury, I'm the guy? Yeah, this now for for Rog, really, it's, it's about getting out there, getting confidence and showing us what he can do. You know, um, you know when, we, when you break down the squads, the squad that is, that's going to be named, he's probably going to fit into that mold that you just sort of speaking about. Um, but it's exciting. You know, this is where big time players sort of, you know, step up. You know, he, he won't go, he won't, um, you know, sit there without a, without a real fight. So I'm looking forward to the way he, he, he gets out there. Is he probably... Is it a little bit too late? I don't think so. You know, I, I think you know he's still got a point to, to prove and what he can do um, in terms of picking that up. Injuries will, will absolutely have to help him. You speak about injuries. Anton Leder Brown's also coming back, so that's a huge uh, bolster for the Chiefs, but also you know in terms of the, the All Black sort of side. Um, will Jordan? Oh man, it, it is. It's so good to see him back, and I'm glad he's. You know, let's hope touch wood. It, um, he comes off unscathed. Interesting to see, though, he's at fullback. So he's just going to create more headaches for our selections, mate, because, you know, he can, can he can play. But um, exciting. Exciting that these sort of, uh, these All Blacks are back, um, are back in there and, and um, looking forward to seeing what they can do. With Will, um, you know, how important is it that, you know, what, what, are the, what are the particulars you'd like to see from him? You know, we know how exciting he is. Yeah. You know, but this this is... I mean, I suppose the first thing when you start talking about a, and it, it wasn't a, uh, we understand it wasn't a concussion issue. It was a, it was an inner ear. We haven't, we've, it's been sketchy on the details, right? And so and it's one of those things that I remember when I was coming back, you know, I got knocked out and was uh, badly, I was out for a month. But I remember the first thing was the, the first contact, the first carry, the first high ball, all those sorts of things. That's probably what I really, I, I want to see from him is the, okay, the willingness to, there's a gap, I've got to take that. Yeah. And if the gap closes, it closes. Yeah. You know, it's the, there's that ball and I've got to go up and I've got to get it. I've got to get off the ground. I've got to go up and if I take contact, I take contact. You know, um, you know, that last line of defense, as you know, is the fact yeah. that, okay, I've got to defend the line, like, you know, as well as anyone that you have in your side, you know. And to me, that's the, that's the thing for me I need to see out of them there. Because I think I know everything else is there, you know, that, that and I think it's the perfect game for them to come back in. Yeah. The force are no good on the road. And that's the that's but in saying that the Crusaders are a side that needs to get some momentum. Um yeah. I understood Bowden Barrett's moved just as an aside, Bowden Barrett's moved back to fullback. Uh like that. Yeah, um I'm I was trying to see I'm not sure about San Sullivan unless he picked up a little niggle or an injury. Um yeah. but that's that's it's a shame. Um but it shows the faith they have in um Harry Plummer. Yeah, but clearly they like what he's been doing, and they want to see him on the park somewhere. So he's he's playing at at, at uh, ten. Look, it's Moana Pacifica. Like they'll expect to go out there, and they should dominate that game. Um, there's been a bit of wind up going on between those two teams, but I don't read too much into that. Uh, so for both of these sides, it's you know it's a I don't know they're not is is the force eleventh and is it still eleventh and twelfth? No, no. What are the forces? I'm not sure they are down there. I know it's twelfth anyway. Um, the Rebels might have jumped up with their win. But I think in regards to this weekend, is there any way, is there any way you can see my Highlanders beating your Chiefs? Mate, 
Oh, you just never know with these derbies, but that Chiefs side is an impressive team, man. Then they haven't rested, I mean, to bring back an all-black centre and start him straight away. I mean, those other guys have done it. I can't see it, mate. Unlucky, bro. I can't. Can you? Oh, of course I can. How? You want them to. We've run out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Look, I've been going through the team sheets. I'm commentating down there. I'm looking forward to the contest, Mills. But what I do know is the fact that number one is playing, the number one New Zealand side is playing the number five ranked New Zealand team. And reality is we know which way this could go and should go. But but this doesn't come down. I actually, it's an interesting one. There's a great forward matchup going on. This yeah. is, I mean, and, and yeah. the, the locks for the Chiefs make a significant difference. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But the Honda's forward pack's been going not too bad. Um, pretty good. That's tough. But yeah, man, they've got a lot to, man, their run home is hard. And to stay in that eight, the rebels are just in the behind them. Yeah. It's going to be a hard, as I said that about you know, maybe three or four weeks ago, that they've got the hardest, you know, run, run home. home. And so, yeah. man, to get into that eight, that's all they need to try and do. That'll get, and they're, they're hard. And they've got some hard forwards that will run hard. I mean, we've seen that the last time they, they played. It was, so, but I, you know, the way the Chiefs are going, I just can't see it happening. They're rolling, Mills. They're absolutely rolling. Mate, I appreciate it. As always, great to have a chat. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend, as always, Super Rugby. But like I say, the future of the game, um, you know, uh, we'll send it through to uh, NZR and see what sort of reaction we get and see how we oh, go. No, they, they won't be in favour of what we just spoke about at all. And I know you agreed with me, mate. No one texts me back on that WhatsApp group, but I know a lot of you went quiet and I, hey? That's because I know what can happen, you see. I knew <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. you at some point today, and I didn't want to. I, I, I wanted to sneak up on you this afternoon yeah, and go, bam, here it is. And it was easy, piece I'll, of cake. I'll, I'll uh, leave I think you're right. And I think what will happen is, is the people that work around the game will benefit as well. And guess what? That's you and that's me. Outstanding. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother.